Trust you found your place in the book of John, John's Gospel, chapter 20, for the preaching of God's word, and trust that your heart will be fertile soil as we reflect on this most important event in human history, death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to draw your attention to verse number 19. I'll read from verse 19 down to verse 31. John's Gospel, chapter 20 and verse number 19. The Bible says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father had sent me, even so send I you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins, whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again, the disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands. Reach hither thy hands, and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that he might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for your precious word. Thank you for sacrifice that you made on rugged cross so that we can have life and have it more abundantly. Dear Lord, we are humbled by your love, mercy, and grace and that you would love us enough to give your life. And because of your sacrifice, we have the opportunity and the privilege to hear those words not guilty. But that you would give me the word you love me to say. May you center our hearts and our tension and our focus upon you. Remove any distraction. May your word go forth with power. Use it to draw men and boys and girls to you. Save some lost soul. Serve the heart of every believer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. For well over two years now, the world has been mired in this COVID-19 pandemic, with its effects being felt far and wide. There is no aspect of our lives that has not been impacted by this unprecedented event. Thankfully, however, after over two years, it would appear that we are seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. 
Give God some praise and glory for that. Active cases have reduced. Restrictions are now being relaxed. But I'm sure you would agree with me that just as we were figuring and hoping that we could look forward to things getting back to normal sooner rather than later, we have seen, of course, in the past weeks, this invasion of Ukraine by Russia. And now we have a war going on for almost two months that has thrown economies trying to recover back into a tailspin. Prices are escalating at the pump and at every other conceivable place. Nations are continually at war. Communities are at war. Families are at war. Spouses are at war. This world is desperately in need of peace. Mankind is in need of peace. However, sadly, man keeps searching for it in all of the wrong places. And let me say to each and every one of us here today, unreservedly and unashamedly, Peace is found in none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Man will continue to come up empty in his quest for peace when embarking on a mission that chooses to exclude Jesus Christ. Today is a day set aside known as Easter Sunday. It's a day that celebrates the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thank God that after Jesus was placed in the grave, that it was not over. But after three days, Jesus got up from the grave. Let the church say amen. The resurrection is the cornerstone of the believer's faith because it demonstrated that victory had been won. Death had been conquered. Sin, that enemy of mankind, was defeated. You see, my friends, death and sin are tied at the hip. Death is a result of sin. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. And so what I'm simply saying to us this morning is that when you defeat one, you have defeated the other. They are on the same team. And so when Jesus got up from the grave, the resurrection was proof that both sin and death were conquered by Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That is why Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 did not end there. It says, but the, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That, my friends, is why the resurrection is an event to be celebrated. That's why today ought to be a day of rejoicing. Today ought to be a day of triumph. But I believe that 
even in our celebration of the resurrection, that we oftentimes, I believe, tend to diminish its significance. Because the resurrection is more than a singular event. The resurrection ought to have significance for each and every person individually, personally. And what I'm realizing about us as people, and I'm sure you would agree with me on this, is that as human beings, we tend to have short memories. I'll use an analogy of sports. If our favorite team or our favorite player does well, wins the championship, we are on top of the world. But I would dare say, not for long. Because if they come back the next day and they mess up, the memory of that championship has been long gone and diminished. If our spouses did something wonderful, man, we are excited. We celebrate them. I mean, they are the best thing since sliced bread. I often wonder, when did sliced bread become so great? But when they did something now to offend us, I mean, we don't recall the great things they just did. Am I right? I mean, even us personally, we did something great. I mean, we got a promotion on the job. We accomplished some great feat personally. I mean, we feel wonderful. And then we messed up. We made a bad decision, a bad mistake. We ourselves beat ourselves up and stayed down and discouraged, depressed. Why? We have short memories. God does some amazing thing in our life. I mean, he wrought a miracle, did something wonderful. We're excited to come and give a testimony. God is an awesome God. Yes, he is. Then a few days later, we hit a rough spot. And we forget what God has done. God, how could you let this? That's just how we are. We have short memories. But my friend, I want to draw attention to the resurrection that we cannot afford to have short memories when it comes to the resurrection. And I want to draw your attention this morning to a statement that Jesus repeated to his disciples after the resurrection. And he made this statement on more than one occasion. Let me draw your attention to verse number 19. It says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, when the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, what? Peace be unto you. Look at verse number 21. Then said Jesus to them again, peace be unto you. Verse number 26, eight days later, and after eight days, again, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. My friend, what Jesus did on the cross, his death, his burial, 
his resurrection signified that peace was now available. In the space of three days, something amazing was accomplished that impacts you, that impacts me. And so when we celebrate the resurrection, we need to recognize, we need to embrace, we need to understand what the resurrection brought to us, what it brought to humanity. My friend, it brought peace. I don't want to preach a message this morning entitled, Peace Be Unto You. My friend, this is not the kind of peace that the world is looking for. This is not the kind of peace that the United Nations is hoping to accomplish. This is peace that Jesus brought by his death, burial, and resurrection. That is peace between God and man. Peace be unto you. Now, very briefly, and I'll try my best to fulfill that promise. I want you to notice that this event that took place, to really embrace the significance of it, recognize that Jesus' act on the cross and his resurrection removed the alienation. It removed the alienation. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? Why was there alienation? My friend, there was something hindering. There was something obstructing the relationship between God and man. And that, my friend, was sin. There was enmity between God and man. Enmity is a word that means it's a feeling of uh, or condition of hostility, hatred, ill will, animosity. There was enmity between God and man. Uh, uh, Don't take this to mean that God hated us. You see, my friends, man himself was hostile towards God as a result of his disobedience to God. You see, we experience enmity even in our personal relationships with other people. See, you have a friend and you and the friend are on good terms. And something happens and one of you is offended by something the other person does. What happens? Alienation. You draw away from the other person. Uh, You're not talking as you used to talk. I mean, you pass each other straight. You pretend you didn't see them. Why? There's alienation as a result of an offense. Even in marriages, we can all identify with this. There's an offense. Normally you will tell each other good night. Now you just crawl in your bed and don't say a thing. You're in the same bed and your back's turned to each other and another person could fit in the middle. Alienation. Some choose to go in a separate room. Alienation. Wake up in the morning. No good morning today. Alienation. Friends, stop calling one another. Why? There's an offense. Happens in churches. People stop coming to church. Offenses. Alienation. There's enmity. There's alienation. My friend, when God created man in the Garden of Eden, man and God were on good terms, but man disobeyed God, and the result that there was no enmity between God and man. Look at Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 8 rather, and you'll see how clearly this is pointed out. 
Romans chapter 8 and verse 6 to 8. This was a problem, my friends. This was an issue. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 6. The Bible says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is what? Enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. When Jesus died on the cross, he removed the alienation. But notice secondly, because he removed the alienation, that obstacle, that offense that existed between God and man, he now then restored access. I love this passage in the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Because it is so pointed, it is so direct. It explains the problem and showed how Jesus removed the problem and restored an opportunity to be reunited with Jesus, with God the Father. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 11. We read this entire passage in our scripture reading, but it's worth drawing back our attention to it. Look at verse number 11. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called on circumcision, by that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that in, at that time ye were without Christ, being what? Aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes were afar off are made what? Nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the what? Enmity. Even the law of commandments containing ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. My friend, when Jesus died on the cross, his death appeased the Father. That's why when he, he cried out at the very end, it is finished. Jesus' work of atonement was done. To atone means to make amends or reparation as for an offense or a crime. My friend, there was a penalty required to be addressed. That obstacle that had to be attended to was the obstacle of sin. You think back to our own relationships. That person offends you. Somehow they have to find a way to restore access. And they come and they offer you an uh, apology. Person sends you flowers, a card. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But the goal is to find or to do something that can provide appeasement, that you're no longer upset. And you have to determine that you have accepted what they're offering. You see, my friend, when Jesus died on the cross, what, was, what it did, it restored access between God and man. And there was only one person who can offer that perfect sacrifice, and that was Jesus Christ. 
You see, we could not satisfy our own, hardly our own, let alone all mankind. But Jesus could because he was 100% God and 100% man. And he shed his blood. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. What Jesus did on the cross literally removed the enmity, removed the offense, removed the obstacle of a relationship between God and man. And what's so amazing about this act is that even though God was the one who was offended by man, God was the one who offered the path to reconciliation back to man. That's a work of God. Even though man was the offender, man was hostile toward God, God provided the way to restore access to him. What a loving God. We're not like that. I mean, if we're the one who was offended, and even rightly so, I mean, if we were the one who were hurt, we were the one who were wronged, listen, we say, he better come to me. And when he come, he better come good. This is not what we say. We offended God. We hurt God. And yet, God in his love and in his mercy and his grace reached out to us and offered a way to restore access back to him. Praise be to God. And by the way, even if we wanted to restore access, we couldn't do it on our own. He restored access. Removed the alienation. But notice the third thing that Jesus did. When he Within the tomb. I love this. Three days later, when he got up from the grave, my friend, what's so exciting about that event of the resurrection is that it rocked the arch, arch enemy. Amen. Listen, when Jesus got up from the grave, listen, Satan was defeated once and for all. <laughs> The enemy of God himself, Satan, suffered a blow of all blows when Jesus got up from the grave. If you're a sports fan, I'm sure that there are times where you've seen games where the clock is winding down and a a team in the final few seconds gets a, a shot to go ahead and it appears as though, I mean, even though there's some time left on the clock, man, there's no way they're gonna score with that few seconds left. I mean, we are almost celebrating. I mean, we are ready to go to the locker room and celebrate a championship or celebrate the game winning shot. But sadly, they didn't realize they left too much time on the clock and somehow, uh, some way, listen, that, that prayer came and threw up a prayer maybe at the buzzer with probably 0.4 seconds left and that ball went in and what was thought to be a victory was agonizing defeat. My friend, when Jesus hung on that cross and he said it was finished, I believe Satan thought he won. He thought, man, I got him right where I want him. Man, I scored a powerful blow, my friend. But it was not over. There was too much time left on the clock. 
There was three more days left. And at the end of three days, Jesus showed up and he poured out the winning shot. And listen, Satan said, oh no, I lost once and for all. Victory had been won. Death was conquered. Sin was defeated. The grave, it was done. And Jesus is alive. And because the clock had run out, there was nothing Satan could do about it. Wow. That, my friend, is why the resurrection ought to be celebrated. It is a time of victory. It is a time of triumph. That is why 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 54 to, to, to 57. You see, this Jesus' resurrection was a foreshadowing of things to come. And that is why the apostle Paul was writing with such enthusiasm and excitement. And he says, speaking of his own resurrection that would take place. And ours those who know Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior. He says, so when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory victory through our Lord Jesus Christ the resurrection signified victory thank God for victory are you glad to be on the winning side Listen, as much as we can find things to be down in the dumps for, listen, thank God, in the end, no matter what happens now, we win. The resurrection, it removed the alienation. It restored the access. It rocked that arch enemy. And then finally, because of the the resurrection, we can be reconciled with the Almighty. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Again, verses 19 to 22. As a result of what Jesus did, in removing that enmity and forming, the making of twain, one new man, so making peace. It says, now, verse 19, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints. And of the household of God. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. In whom all the building fitly framed together. Groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. In whom ye also are builded up. Build it together for an habitation of God through the spirit. My friend, we don't have to continue being alienated from God. But here's a very important point and consideration. Jesus' act on the cross requires your response. You see, you can have an offense between you and another person. You and a, you and a friend. You and your spouse. 
And one person provides an avenue for reconciliation. You might be the offended. You might be the offender. It might be mutual offense and mutual issues. But one person lets it be known to the other. Listen, I have nothing against you. I'm willing for us to be reconciled. I'm creating the avenue by which that can take place. But if that person refuses to take the path to reconcile with you, there's no reconciliation. You see, my friend, God made a way. Jesus restored the access. But a person, man, woman, boy, or girl, must take the step toward God to be reconciled and to have peace with God. But when Jesus, in meeting the disciples after the resurrection, I believe he was firmly saying to them, I've done what needed to be done. The task that I came to do is finished. And now, guess what? Peace is available. Peace be unto you. The path is now clear. Enjoy the access to God. John's Gospel, chapter 14, and verse 27. This was prior to his going to the cross, just prior. This is why he was giving them a, a preamble. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He was not speaking of wars between nations, wars between communities, wars between families and people. He was speaking of peace between God and man. And the question for each and every person on the sound of my voice today, do you want that peace? It is available. It is accessible. Be reconciled to God, to the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And you'll be able to fully understand the words that Jesus said to his disciples. I could imagine the glow on his face. Task has been completed. And now I can truly say unto you, peace be unto you.